Earlier this year, President Obama announced an ambitious precision medicine initiative that seeks to personalize and improve disease treatment and prevention by taking into account an individual's health and genetic information, as well as environmental and lifestyle factors. While details of the initiative are still unfolding, the project aims to enroll one million volunteers who will agree to share their health data and provide a biospecimen for genetic testing. The National Institutes of Health says the effort will help expand the knowledge of precision medicine approaches that will benefit the nation for many years to come. But with this vast collection of patient information comes privacy and security challenges. I'm Marian Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with privacy attorney Kirk Nara of law firm Wiley Ryan. Kirk will discuss some of the potential privacy and security issues that he sees in the Precision Medicine Initiative. Kirk, this sounds like a very ambitious project. What do you think are the most important aspects of the Precision Medicine Initiative from a privacy and security perspective? What you're talking about is, I think you're right. It's ambitious. It's a really big government-organized healthcare research project, and the idea is, you know, we have research projects all the time, all over the place, and this is bigger and more organized, and has a very particular goal of trying to use essentially healthcare big data to see if we can drill down and try to personalize treatments and behaviors that are really driven by individual components. So anytime you talk about data and individuals, you start to have privacy and security concerns. And this is a project that has you know, a little bit of a rah-rah from the White House, and it is a politically supported a project and it's got, you know, it doesn't seem to have the kind of commercial activities that you often see in a lot of research projects. I mean, a lot of research is done both to improve healthcare and to, to relate to particular kinds of products that are in the commercial sphere. So you've got a lot of the issues that are out there in most contexts. Some of them may be smaller or larger because this is a government activity. Obviously, security is an issue because you have such an enormous volume of data, including very sensitive data, about lots of people. And so the security issues aren't any different than you would see in any other big healthcare setting. The privacy components are a little different and something that the government's really trying to be very clear and explicit on when they're enrolling people in this program. Kirk, with that said, what are some of the biggest privacy and security challenges that you see facing this precision medicine initiative and why? The privacy challenge is to say, what can you do with the data that you're collecting? I mean, we get concerned. I mean, for example, if you have this kind of data about people's genetic information and likelihood of getting diseases and things like that, you'd obviously have a privacy concern if that data, instead of being used to identify a potential cure for you, was used by your insurance company or your employer or somebody else to make judgments about you going forward. And I say privacy issues because we have to decide a little bit as a society what we're going to do with that kind of information, but that's obviously something of real concern. And I think that in this kind of project, the government is trying to be very clear that that's not what they have in mind. They want to set up very clear rules about what's going to happen to this data, but that's the kind of thing you worry about on privacy. On security, again, 
it's just a, a massive data collection project. And we're certainly seeing, when you read the news about all the attacks that are going on across big computerized databases, this is now going to be a big computerized database. And the government is going to try to build top-class data security protections. But again, when you start to read the newspaper headlines, you start to realize that how even very strong security standards often don't protect against people that really want to try to get into your system. So that's also the kind of thing where the best you can do is try to be as good as you can on security. I mean, the only perfect protection is not to collect this information in the first place. And I hope we don't get to a point where we don't start doing these kinds of beneficial projects because of the theoretical possibility of some kind of security attack. But it is very important, and I think the government in this context clearly has it on the top of their agenda, it's very important to make sure that this data is protected as well as it can be protected because it's highly sensitive, highly valuable information. Now, Kirk, do we know yet if this data will be stored in one central database, and how will they determine who can access this information? I don't know if they've decided about the centralized database, although you would think that the sort of premise of this is that the data will need to be together in order to really get the full value of the of the big data. But absolutely, there's going to be very specific rules about who can access the data. I mean, it's going to be essentially a group of providers and researchers who are participating in this project. And I think that one of the components that the government's going to be thinking about is at what point do you need identifiable data? At what point can information be either formally de-identified according to the existing HIPAA healthcare rules, or are there other kinds of redactions of information that can make, you know, take away some of the risks and make some of that information perhaps viable for broader uh, dissemination? We're seeing this is an issue that's being played out obviously for this initiative, but is being played out in all kinds of big data projects all over the country and, and all over the world. I mean, we're seeing other parts of the government like CMS, the, the, the Medicare folks, who are looking at what they can start to disclose publicly about the massive volumes of data they have. And obviously, when you're talking about public disclosure, you need to make sure that all the right hoops have been jumped through so that individuals can't be re-identified in connection with that data. But, but here you have sort of an interesting combination of purposes. The whole idea is to personalize the medicine, which obviously needs to be, you as a person can't get treated directly if they don't know who you are, (laughs) but it may be that in trying to figure out what the best treatment is, they need to use data from a whole bunch of people that, you know, where you don't need to know each of those individuals. So that's the kind of protocol building that they're going through right now in trying to develop this project. Now, how should healthcare entities and researchers who are involved with the initiative be prepared to address these various privacy and security challenges when dealing with their patients' data? I think that one of the biggest challenges coming out of this project is going to be that because of the visibility of this project and because of sort of the the, the national attention that it's getting, I think it's very easy to try and build almost a perfect world of privacy and security protections. They can say this isn't going to be commercial. They can say we're going to have full patient engagement. We're going to say that the patients are going to be involved on a regular basis in participating in how their data is used and things like that. And that's all perfectly admirable. I think the challenge is going to be to try to extrapolate that to all the other kinds of research projects that go on in this country where that kind of 
almost utopian approach to privacy and security just isn't viable on a broader basis. I mean, we're we're looking at all kinds of research projects, and I think the whole big data initiative that's, again, not unique to healthcare but has real implications for healthcare, we have all kinds of challenges about what to do with data that currently exists, that we currently have, that may have been collected for purpose A or purpose B, and now we're seeing that, well, if we can do research on purpose C, we may have some real benefit about that. And I think that the standards that are being built for this particular project may not translate very well to other kinds of research projects in other places. And so providers are going to have to adapt for this project and then think about how much they want to change their practices to accommodate those kinds of unique standards in the other contexts where they're doing research. So as I mentioned, the government is looking to enroll about one million volunteers. So with that said, what do you think the patients that are actually going to participate in this initiative, what should they know about privacy and security of their health data? Well, part of the utopian element of this is that they're going to be brought in as they're being encouraged to participate and have this all explained to them on a one-on-one basis by people participating. I don't know if that's actually going to work with a million people. But, I mean, lots of people who will participate in this project will do it, A, because they're not that concerned themselves or they see real benefit or they recognize the, the sort of public benefits of having their information shared. I mean, we write privacy laws in this country to deal with a wide range of interests among patients. I mean, some people care very intensely and very deeply about their privacy, and what they mean by that is they don't want anyone else to see this information. There are other people who, A, may not care as much at all or recognize that there's a trade-off, and what we're seeing now is, you know, essentially the benefits or the potential benefits of that trade-off. I mean, there are real public health and, you know, in this sense, personal health benefits if your data is in fact used to develop these kinds of new treatments. And so that's the goal that the government has is to sort of talk to people about the value of bringing their individual data into this bigger project. And as I said, they're they're presumably going to have a much more limited sort of commercial element that you see in lots of other research contexts. And that will make this sell with patients a little bit easier, maybe a lot easier, frankly. But again, very significant benefits that we're seeing across the healthcare system because of these ma- the massive volume of data that is out there and the massive benefits that we can see both to individuals and to the public on a broader level from real good analysis of that data. Now, you mentioned that some of the privacy and security challenges in the Precision Medicine Initiative might be slightly different than some other sort of big health data initiatives in general. In general, what are some of the privacy and security challenges that worry you the most when it comes to big health data trends that are taking place in the healthcare sector? Well, worry is an interesting question. I'm not, I think that what we have is we have, we have essentially the unknown right now with healthcare data and healthcare big data in particular. And so what we're finding is that as people analyze data and get better and better at integrating large volumes and understanding impact and bringing in data from different sources, we're seeing lots of new potential conclusions that we can draw from data that we didn't really anticipate before. I mean, for example, there's, there were some news reports, you know, a while ago now, it's been uh, many months about how healthcare providers and health insurers are using data elements like 
the number of cars that you have and your marital status and clothing purchases as realistic means of projecting certain kinds of healthcare treatments. Well, we don't think of that as healthcare data, but if people can say that individuals that have so many cars have this more likelihood of doing something, that makes a lot of difference. And so the challenge is to figure out what we're going to be able to do with the results of this information. And I think, you know, it's an interesting kind of privacy challenge because for the most part, your personal data is brought in along with lots of other people. We seldom make decisions about you based just on your data in this context. We're talking about large-scale research projects. And frankly, the conclusions that come out of these projects may be applied not to you, but to somebody who seems a lot like you down the road. So we're really just trying to get a handle on this full set of issues. And there's a variety of government agencies that are looking at it. In fact, the Office of the National Coordinator, who's involved with the Health Information Technology, just came out with a set of recommendations just in the past couple of days. They've finalized about healthcare big data, and they've done a very good job of trying to identify both uh, the opportunities from these projects as well as some of the risks and to start to make some recommendations about how to start controlling these risks. In terms of the ONC's recommendations with big data, anything in particular that kind of stands out to you that makes a lot of sense or something that might be lacking? Well, there's a, there's a lot to their recommendations, so I think that can give you a couple of thoughts, but there's a whole lot in that information. I think the, the biggest thing, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I think about laws and regulations, and the biggest thing they identify, which is not news, but they've put some more sort of concrete elements to this and some more thought into it, is the fact that our current regulatory process and regulatory structure is not very well set up to deal with this kind of information. We have a regulatory process that's focused very much on data that comes from doctors and hospitals, and what we're seeing is that more and more components of what we think of as healthcare big data is being generated in places where there doesn't have to be a doctor or a hospital involved, whether it's your Fitbit or whether it's a community website that's a support group for a certain kind of illness or personal health records or a variety of other settings where we don't really have good current regulations about what needs to be done with that data, and I think they've recognized that you know, we need to find some way of regulating all this healthcare data, which isn't currently part of the regulatory structure. Thanks, Kirk. I've been speaking to attorney Kirk Nara. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.